Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Hello, everyone. Um, I know that kid. He's a friend of mine. His name is Mike Gandia. Um, we played his basketball team in uh, like the middle of February. But uh, he does have a tremendous heart for God, and um, it really impressed me because uh, what he said right there was actually sort of what I'm going to talk about tonight. So I know that this is from God and that uh, a lot of people are going to receive from this. So I just want to start out with the word of prayer. If everyone can um, bow their heads and close their eyes. Jesus, we come before you today, and uh, we just want to ask that you may be able to open our, uh, our eyes and our hearts to be able to receive what you have planned for us, because we do want to know what you want and what you have in store for us. And we know that uh, what you have in store for us is more than anything that we could ever imagine and more than anything that we could ever dream of. And we pray that we just be able to leave tonight with this word in our hearts. And just now I pray, amen. I call this message, uh, Do You Really Love God? Uh, this all started because I was going on trips to a competition to compete with uh, different schools on the topic or the area of preaching. And uh, I usually preach on something that uh, God gives me because um, just for a youth group or something, I would like to share as a testimony or something. But um, the topic that God gave me was like the people this today or our generation, they keep saying that they do love me, but does, what does it really mean to love me, you know? So uh, I just want to start by saying that uh, love is not just some type of feeling or some type of passion inside your heart. Love is totally different than what anyone thinks it is. People have uh, changed what they think love is thanks to like the music or the movies nowadays where they think love is actually lust. Uh, lust is more of a reckless abandonment of passion or a disorderly unrestraint or desire. But what, the, what I wanted to know was what love really was defined as in the Webster Dictionary they have uh, as a noun and as a verb. As a noun, it's a feeling of strong attachment induced by that which delights or commands admiration, preeminent devotion to another affection or a tenderness. As a verb, it's to take delight of pleasure in or to have a strong liking or desire for or interest in to be with, to like. If I were to ask anybody on the streets, if I were to go to a mall anywhere, if I asked them, hey, uh, really fast, just a quick question, do you love God? Everybody, well, most everybody, you have those crazy people in the satanic churches and stuff. They will say, yes, of course I love God. I don't have a problem with him. He doesn't have a problem with me. I don't think, you know, uh, I'm cool with him. He's cool with me. But to actually have a desire or interest to be pleased with him, to actually be pleased with God, to know that he's pleased with you and what you're doing for him in this world are totally different things. So I have three points here that I would like to share. Uh, the first one is how to love God. The second one is why to love God. And the last one, how do I make that applicable into my life and how to be able to show others the love of God. Uh, my first verse, John 14, 15, I don't know if they could put it up back there. Uh, it says, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. It's plain and simple. If you love God, then you keep his commandments. Here love is God's by an outward act 
that demonstrates an inward affection. Um, the keeping of commandments as an act of obedience is a much more precise evidence of love because um, we all heard actions speak louder than words. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, second verse, I have a story of um, in the Bible, Jesus has already been crucified and he's already risen up from uh, the dead. And he decides to have a picnic or like a little supper with his disciples. Go to John 21, 15 through 17. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, thou lovest me more than these? And he said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, thou lovest me? And he said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou know that I love you. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, thou lovest me. Peter was grieved here because, you know, like this is the third time like that the Son of Man, you know, God's only Son, has asked him, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Jesus here grabs one of his closest disciples, and he pulls him aside, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And of course, Peter's like, yeah, Lord, why? Is there a problem? Of course I love you. Then Jesus goes, no, but for real, Peter, do you really love me? Like, what does it mean to love me? Do you actually love me? And he goes, Jesus, you know I love you, you know? Like, you know I love you. I slice somebody's ear off for you, and they're going to take you away. I was there, put out my sword, and defend you in front of everyone. You know I love you. But Jesus goes, do you really love me? So... Peter, he sat and he remembers that he had denied Christ three times, and now God is asking him three times, do you love me? So a lot of times we may think that we love God, but we don't know what it is to actually love God, to actually have the desire for him to be pleased with you or for you to be pleased with him. Here God gives three basic uh, instructions on how to love him. The first one, he says in verse 15, feed my lambs. Lambs are smaller sheep, or like uh, lower to the adult uh, being of the sheep. So here God is saying to take care of the younger people in life, or the people lower than you, or the less fortunate, or to reach out. Uh, I found some examples of what those lambs might be, and a lot of them are so simple, and that we, they just pass over our head, like the Sunday school. To see a little kid running around and just to stop and be like, hey, how was your day? How was Sunday school? Who was your teacher? Ask him how his lesson was, what his lesson was. They memorize his Bible verse. That would mean so much to these kids. Uh, to come on Fridays, to like Kenny said, to go to life and to, be, uh, to help out with the youth. There are so many kids in there that are fatherless and don't have mothers, don't have anything. And they come here in some sort of search for hope to see what it is that all these kids come here on Friday and they want to come here. And they come and they want to be happy just like us. And if somebody would just say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Be like, hey, how's your school? How are you? Because they're so rejected. If they're rejected out there and they come and they're rejected in here, what is that, the love of Christ? You know? Um, another group of people is the people that haven't been, that just started serving the Lord, the people that just got to church, the people that uh, they just got saved and they don't know what else the next step for their life is. Like this new breakfast, sorry, uh, the new breakfast that's coming up for the new beginners, 
like to come and just help out, serve some food, talk to them, get to know them, invite them over your house, ask them like how, how they got to church, who invited them, uh, if there's anything you can help them out with. The second thing that Jesus told them was to shepherd my sheep. This is the sheep, the actual, the older ones that are like, take care of the peers of your life, the people in your life that are of the same age or more to your social surroundings, the people that are closer to you. Um, there's people that uh, when they go to jobs and, you know, they're, they're so stressed out with home and they don't have Jesus in their life that they go and they try and go to happy hour to be happy for one hour. And you're in their life, you know, and you ha- you're happy for life. And their desire just to be happy for one hour, and you could change their life completely and be able to bring them and be happy for an entire lifetime to have eternal life through Jesus. Uh, The people that are still in school, the people still in school uh, that are trying to find all these new religions that have their in theology class and they're being like driven and. pointed into their face all these different religions and they don't know which one's the true one which one do I really follow which is the one that's going to make me happy at the end of life because they they're looking up at their parents and their parents have already screwed up their entire life and they're like okay I don't want to do that but I don't know what else to do couldn't you just lend out a helping hand and pick them up and show them the way or just like even closer your family the ones that are that that are going crazy, are going through divorces, their children are being grown up in horrible homes, couldn't you invite them to church? Or simply Facebook, just to send somebody a message, be like, hey, you want to come to church this Sunday? Hey, you want to come to youth group this Friday? Something like that. The last one for this story was to feed my sheep. By feeding sheep, Jesus wants us to portray his love through us by encouraging or helping or loving others. Encouraging others, like, um, I see this a lot on the mornings when I go on Facebook. I see Paulette. She goes onto Abby's wall, and she says, I hope uh, you have a wonderful day. Remember that Jesus is your strength and that he loves you a lot, and that really encourages me. And it's like, wow, we, everyone should be doing this. All the news feeds should be of all the Christians telling all their other brothers and sisters, hey, listen, God's got your back today. Don't worry about it. Uh, everything is in his hands. Uh, God is saying to Peter in this passage that in order to love God, you need to obey him. And you need to do the things that he says and follow his commandments. So through all this, we all know how to love God and how we are supposed to love God and what it means to love God. But why do we love God? What is the reason that we are supposed to love God? We know that, that he died on the cross for us and that he, was, he supposedly picks us up in our downfalls and when we're not around uh, for anybody to help us out. But it's simply because in 1 John 4.19, it says, we love him because he first loved us. So Jesus loves us. We know this from the very famous John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not die, but have eternal life. So not only did he love us, he showed his love. And because he loved the world, he gave. So Jesus loved the world, so he gave his only begotten son. God knows everything, and he knows our every thought. He knows when we sleep. He knows our every decision, all our choices that we make, everything. So he knew that up to this day, people were going to reject his son 
and we're going to uh, choose to follow his ways regardless of uh, if they're having a good life or having a bad life. So regardless of knowing that he was going to be rejected, Jesus still sent his son for the very few um, Christians that are in this world, the ones that were going to choose him. I looked up on uh, Google, and it said that mostly of the world, there's only 33% uh, proclaimed Protestant. And that includes Catholics and Eastern Orthodox and everything, and the people that say that they are Christians, like we talked about earlier, but they're not really Christians. They don't really love God. So I sort of cut that in half myself. I, I wonder if that's okay. Uh, and so technically, only 18%. So Jesus died for the very, though some of us that are 18% in this world. That's how much he loved us. So despite God, or despite Jesus being rejected by billions of billions, because before our earth, there was also the past uh, people that have uh, passed away or the people that have gone up to heaven or have gone on to eternity, God still died for them, and he was willing to be humiliated, to be beaten, to be rejected, and eventually crucified just so that we may be one day able to go up and spend the rest of our lives with him. On top of that, he could have picked any century to come and die. He could have chose to come in the 21st century and just get a nice needle in his arm, you know, slap it around, and then just pass away. But Jesus chose to go in the Roman way, the way that they were going to beat him, that they were going to whip him, and then eventually crucify him, which is supposedly the most painful death that has ever occurred in the history of mankind. His example of love becomes a roadmap or a directory uh, to show us or to direct us toward the true, genuine love. We need to follow his lead so we can love the same way, in the same degree, and in the same manner, with true depth, with length, height, and in every direction that we possibly can. You express your love to someone based on a price or a sacrifice. The greater the sacrifice, the greater demonstration of what, how much you do love them. Just like a man, when he's going to ask a woman to be with him for the rest of his life, he doesn't give her just a rock from the street or from the sidewalk. He goes to the store, and he buys her a diamond ring. He asks her, he gives her, listen, you're so important, and I love you so much, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you, so here is a diamond, something of great price that it took him a long time to, um, to get or something a long time that he had to work hard for to show how much he loved him. Just like that, God gave his only son, his one and only son, to show his love to us. In John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We love God because he is going to make a home for us. We love him because he's up there and he's building a mansion for us. You know, a big, big field, like that song says, to play football, a big table to be able to eat whatever you want. Whatever, whatever our hearts desire, he's going up to build it. So it's not like we love God just so we could go to heaven. On top of that, he has a huge mansion for us. He has plenty of food and a bunch of fun, and we'll be with him forever and ever. John fourteen twenty one, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. If we love God, he will always be by our side and he will always be able to intervene in our lives and show up in the randomest places. Well, a lot of times we have 
special areas in our life where like nobody could help me out, nobody in my family could come chip in. This bill is way too big. This problem is way too big. But God, in the blink of an eye, will come, and he'll come to your rescue. And he'll come to the darkest pit, the toughest battle in your life, the lowest of the low. God is there, and God is going to come out and protect those who love him. Not only that, but he will also share things with you. He'll be able to open up your eyes to new things, just like... um, when, you're trying, when you love someone and you want to uh, get closer to them, they're not automatically going to tell you the, the most secret thing in their life, the most hidden thing in their life. It takes years on, and time to be able to show and to show your trust and your love to him or to, for him to start sharing his secrets and to open your eyes to the new things that he has. It's like, um, like different uh, shows, like game shows where... God opens the first door and it's like, what's in door number one? They open it. Oh, my gosh, eternal life. I got to live with him forever. That's awesome. But you know what? I think I'm going to stop here, take the eternal life, and I'm going to keep on with my business, with my family, because now we're set for life. But what about door number two and door number three? What about the other things that you haven't seen, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what God has planned for those who love him? We go to um, the next verse, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. God is going to prepare a place for us, but only for those who love him, for those that prove their love to him. Just like in 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. In Luke 10.27, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Give God all that you have. Give God everything that's in your life. Everything that you are holding back from God is everything that he's going to hold back from you. He is a jealous God, and and he loves you way more than you could ever imagine. He went out of his way to send his son to come die for you, to to show his love, and for you to not be able to receive what he has for you is like taking away um, the rest of peace and prosperity in your life. You can't receive with your hands full. You can't uh, receive anything without first giving out first. It's like a little kid in Sunday school or wherever, he has two Oreo cookies or chips of in his hand. And his parent comes and he has a humongous one pound chips ahoy. And he goes, Look what I have for you. He's like, all right, but I have two chips ahoy. He's like, no, 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 but I have this really big cookie just for you. And he's like, no, but I, I like my little chips ahoy. He's like, but God's the same way. He has a humongous plan for our lives. But like, but God, my business, God, my schooling, I'm getting good grades. But God's like, well, I could take you to the dean's list, you know. I could create a humongous business for you and that you would always prosper. You never have to worry about what's coming in, how you're going to feed your family, how you're going to pay off the bills. So um, this is kind of short, but in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, um, to, love the God, to love your God with everything, to love him with things that he's ready to give you, says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, to love God is to love others, and to demonstrate your love is to first demonstrate love to others. So uh, throughout your life, throughout uh, your work, through school, through anything, through your family, just continue to pour out your love and to give God back what he deserves. Because that's what our mission is, uh, to change the world, is to first change ourselves so that we may be able to demonstrate the love of God through us and then outpour it to those surrounding. So we could, it's like a, a bucket. We are the bucket, and we're supposed to continue to get filled and take all the yucky stuff out. And once we get filled, we empty the bucket on the surrounding people around us. So uh, that's what I had to say. It wasn't that long, but that's good. Praise God. Let's give another hand for Nick. All right. To love God is to be obedient, to follow his commandments. And he's commanded us to love one another. Now, sometimes we distort this, like Nick said, we distort this word and we just don't define it. I mean, and you look up the, the definition, it just doesn't make sense. They got to read the word because it makes sense. And when God expresses his love in the word, you see the true definition of love how he gave his life, how he gave his only begotten son. It was a sacrifice. And you know, the truth is, is that it's without condition. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what you've done. He still loves you. For him to give up his very best. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I could ever give up my little David for some guy I don't even know. But because God knows you so much, you read Psalm 139. Read the whole entire Psalm 139. If you have no idea how much God knows about you, read Psalm 139. He'll blow you. It'll blow you away how much God knows you. That's the reason he loves you. Because he knows so much about you that he's just so in love with you. I love my kids because I know them so much. I've only known my little David for four years. I've only known Ashley for five years. I've known Matthew for seven. I've known Brian now for nine years my wife for a long time married for 11 years but the more I'm with them the more I fall in love with them the more I know about them the more I fall in love with them I'm gonna tell you I'm been with the Lord for 17 years and the more I talk to God and have a relationship with him the more I'm in love with him and that love that he first loved us because he knows so much about us it makes us want to love him back it makes us want to read his word and know about him and the more you know about your God the more you're just gonna love him let's go to 1st Corinthians 13 verse 4 verse 3 no it is verse 4 sorry can we go to the NIV version Because I love that first verse in the NIV version. There it is. Love is patient. You know, we know that God is love. And if you don't know how to define love and that Jesus died for you, know today that it's, in, it's unconditional. But you know what love is also? 
love is patient. And if you were to take out the word love out of there and put the word God, because God is love, it equals love. You can fill in the blank everywhere there. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. Can you put your name there? Can you say that you are patient? Can you say Gary is patient? Can you say Richard is kind? Can you say you do not envy, you do not boast? Verse 5. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Can we be like God? Can we have God's love? Can we impart that love into someone else? Where we keep no records of wrong? Where we forgive other people like he's forgiven us? What a simple verse. But what a difficult task, isn't it? This is true love. To love one another. To even when they're, they're just the worst, you love them anyway. You forgive them anyway. He loves you that way. No matter what. Verse 6. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Do you rejoice? Do you, do you delight in evil? Or you don't. You rejoice in the truth. Verse 7. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8. Never forget this. God never fails. Love never fails. It's amazing that if you have God's love in your life, you can say that you are faithful to the very end. And with God, you're not a failure. With God, you have victory. With God's love, your life can be restored. With God's love, your marriage can be saved. Because even God says to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Just like he gave it all and he sacrificed it all. Men, can we sacrifice and love our wife the same way? Regardless of how much your wife nags, regardless of how much your wife says this and says this, lay down your life for, for her and you'll see how she just stops nagging. You've been asking her to submit to you. Don't ask her anymore. Serve her like Christ came to serve. You should come home to serve. And your wife will just submit. Love is the greatest thing of all. And I want to go ahead and open up the altar here tonight. Let's all stand. And like Nick said earlier, if I ask a question in here and I ask, does everybody in here love God? I think everybody, their mothers, their grandparents, everybody will say, I love God. Or do I want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven. But not everyone wants to lay it down. Not everyone wants to let go of their own will. We like to do things our way and our way only. But when we receive what God did for us, it changes your life forevermore. And if you've never received Jesus in this place, this altar is open for you and you can get to know Jesus right now in this place. Somebody will lead you to Jesus.
If there is unforgiveness for someone because you can't, you haven't done that, you haven't forgiven that person, well, I want you to know something today. If you have the love of God in you, you can love that person for you will know more. You will not know any more wrong about that person. Love changes that. If you have sin in your life and you want to lay it at the feet of Jesus, understand that love covers it all. It forgives you. Love died for you. Jesus died for you. His blood washed that forever. If you have some addiction tonight, I want you to know, God wants you to know that his love can set you free. It doesn't matter how you come to God. You can never say, I'm going to come to God when I'm ready because you'll never be ready. God wants to take you just like that. Whatever condition you have before God, whatever problem you have, come to Jesus. His love will come through. God never fails. He never fails. He'll never leave you. He will not forsake you. That's his promise to you. Believe it tonight. As we sing this song about God's love, this altar is open. Receive God's love. Receive his grace, his forgiveness. God bless you.